Today on the Multiply Podcast, we're discussing the questions you should be asking every leader. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. We're so glad you guys are here listening mm-hmm. with us and Dave, it's good to be back recording another episode. Yep. Looking Boys at, are back in town. Looking at your face. Yep. It's beautiful. always always a joy, always beautiful. a privilege. Kids are back in school. Oh man. Yes, sir. Our our kids go to the same school and we dropped them off yesterday and no tears. Right? No. Judy didn't cry, did he? No, he was excited. Yeah. He was ready. My girls are in fifth and second grade, and they're really pumped. They got my fifth graders uh, got a brand new teacher. She's new to the school. We did learn that she's a Red Sox fan, so there's some concern there. Okay. Um, but uh, my second grader has a teacher who actually is a young lady in our church, grew up in my youth ministry, and super excited about that's cool uh, having her as. Um, Caroline's teacher and then our littlest one goes to a different school because she has special needs and needs like therapy and stuff but she she loves her school too that's cool yeah it's a fun uh fun time of year although everyone's kind of like enjoying the fall morning the summer and then just dreading the anticipatory winter coming you know I don't mourn the summer honestly no you're right I love fall so much uh, so for me, it's just all about the fall right now, and then a little I mean, bit of dread for the winter. You also spent all summer sweating like a pig on a roast, so <laughs> I can... Well, some of us mow our lawns and don't make our wives do it. <laughs> That's not true for the record. My <laughs> wife has never mowed the lawn. But, uh, man, it's good to be back. We're excited to uh, to talk with you guys today uh, on the podcast here, and we're going to talk some leadership today, and in fact, we want to talk about the questions you should be asking every leader. These are some questions that we've found have been so important in developing leaders. And in fact, um, David and I were talking about uh, how do you how do we develop leaders, right? Like we have leaders around us and what's the best way to help them continue to grow, continue to progress. Um, but we also know that doesn't just happen, right? Like there's got to be some intentionality there. And so how do we do it? And so we've, we've created some questions that have been really helpful for us. And we want to share them with you, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit and interact with them, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. And we would encourage you to use these as questions you can ask your leaders to help continue to develop them. So we're going to go back and forth. Um, each of us will share two questions, and we'll have a little maybe a little bonus question at the end. So, David, you want to kick us off? What's yeah. uh, what's one of yours? So this question I actually learned from a mutual friend. I want to give a little shout-out to Johnny Hawk. Johnny uh, Hawk. Johnny is uh, leading a ministry that makes disciples on the campus of UTSA, University of Texas at San Antonio. Great dude. A man he, among he boys. Is, oh, my goodness. He, let's just, for a moment, this guy is a man's... He made David and I feel like schoolboys. Yeah. We walk into his backyard, and he has, I'm not kidding you, he has a forge a homemade forge where he makes his own knives. Yeah. With like ridiculously hot fire. Yeah. Obviously. And uh, I guess everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> with his yeah, bare had hands. <laughs> and uh yeah, so he he's just, you know, he also had a uh what's it called a tiny house? Oh yeah, a tiny, a house, tiny house in his backyard that he built. Yeah. He built a barn by himself that just, was just like, was like on a the weekend. cover of some famous what was the deal architecture with that? magazine? Arch- yeah. yeah, and then uh, he showed us his guns. He, he is like 
just lots of scary looking guns. Of course, yeah. this is Texas, so everybody's got guns, but and uh, he's just a big, big bad man. But he's a great, great leader. And uh, first time I went down there to speak at an event that he was running, I think we, you were with me. Were you yeah. with me? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we flew into San Antonio, and he picked us up, and we headed off to get some Mexican food. And uh, he was getting all these calls from people on his team about the event that they were currently trying to set up for and run. And he kept asking all of them the same question. And I never had heard anybody ask this question before in this context. And I just thought to myself, what a great leadership development question. And he would listen to their concerns. And at some point in the conversation, he would just say, hey, uh, can you figure it out? Can you figure it out? And um, giving the leader the opportunity to say, to think, first off, Johnny, trust me with this. You know, you don't ask somebody, can you figure it out, unless you're hoping that they're going to say yes and be able to do it. And so they're feeling empowered, they're feeling trusted, but they're also feeling the weight of the responsibility. And it's that opportunity to step up. And the truth is, is leaders are not developed necessarily in classrooms. They're not developed in safe, comfortable environments. Leaderships are de- leaders are developed in crisis and chaos, um, with tight time restrictions, with limited resources. That's when you really see what a leader is made of. So this idea of like when when people come to you on your team and they bring a problem to you, a challenge to you. Uh, I'm not saying don't talk with them about it a little bit or talk through it or give some of your perspective. But instead of rescuing them, uh, being the savior, coming in and just taking over it, uh, at some point you have to ask the question, can you figure it out? Yeah. What do you, in, in your experience, David, does that, is one of the reasons why that's difficult is because it takes some risk and it takes a long-term perspective with leaders. So for example, the first time that that leader, maybe if you're doing an event, let's say, every year maybe that first time you say can you figure it out there's a little bit of a stumble Mm -hmm. but they do Mm -hmm. and then the next year they're better and the next year they're better is that difficult for you as a leader because of the risk involved in that yeah i think so especially like so if your primary metric in running an event is having a great event that's done with great excellence and everybody loves then uh, if that's your primary, that's always going to be a metric, right? But if that's your primary metric that trumps all the metrics, you won't ask this question. You'll save the day. You'll take over. But if your primary metric is leadership development, so uh, I want to make our leaders stronger through running this event, then it slows you down to say, you know, I need to back off, take my hands off, and let them learn, and even maybe take some, make some missteps within safe parameters so that they can become a better leader. I also think that one of the reasons that um, – I don't ask this question sometimes to people is that I'm kind of a lazy leader and it's actually a lot easier for me. So true. That is really true. <laughs> thanks, Go for, ahead. thanks for just stomping on my authenticity <laughs> and transparency. This is not a safe space. Um, I think it's a, one of my strengths. There's a test out there called strength finders, which I'm sure some of our listeners is familiar with. And it gives you five words that indicate like what some of your strengths are. And one of mine is ideation, which is like, I'm an ideas guy. So as soon as I hear a problem, I've already got a series of ideas in my mind for the most part of how to address it. Um, It's a lot uh, easier for me just to say, try this, try that, or try this, you know, three things to try and figure one out. As opposed to saying, um, sort of shutting up and saying, hey, why don't you figure it out, you know, see what you come up with 
and we'll have another conversation. I'd rather just have one conversation where I'm just like dumping my thoughts on them and then walk away and wash my hands of it. It's kind of lazy, but yeah. that is a definitely an obstacle. So risk, um, sort of a um, the laziness of the leader of just thinking, I'll just give you my idea and we'll just be done with this conversation. Um, and I think there's probably some other reasons why people but, don't ask this question. But it's also a short-term approach to success. Sure. Because you said, you said, oh, if your primary goal is quality, then you won't do this. But I would actually say... And I, I, you would agree with me, I'm sure, on this, so I'm not saying you weren't saying this, but I would actually say if your long-term goal mm-hmm. is quality, you will do this. Mm-hmm. At short-term, you may lose a couple things, but in three, four, five years, all of a sudden now you've got 10, 20, 50, however big your group is, leaders that are incredible, and actually some of them are better leaders than you in certain mm-hmm. ways. So the exponential growth is is massive versus if you're just running around putting out all the fires, and you can't be everywhere all the time it's not sustainable right no. it, it can't it can't scale it can't grow if it requires your skill set involved at every single level of the event or the ministry or the um you know business organization whatever it is that you're leading so that's the first one for me can you figure it out how about yours all your right first one my first one is really simple it's what do you think what do you think and I found this really helpful in um, my time as a youth pastor and a young adult pastor and discipleship pastor of developing leaders around me and asking that. And I think for a variety of reasons. One is when you're leading people, there's a um, your goal, right, is to help them become the leader God wants them to be. But there's a natural tendency for people that are being led is to rely on you and to um, kind of have you guide them and steer them and direct them. And mm-hmm. and so when you say to somebody, what do you think? I think it communicates a couple of things to them. One, it communicates you want them to have ownership, right? Mm-hmm. So it's saying I actually, and this matters if you actually do care what they think. Sure. But I actually want to know what you think because what you think about this is valuable. It's important to me. Um, I, I I want you to have a level a higher level of ownership than you may already have. I think it communicates that. Which the more ownership someone has, the higher level of a leader they're gonna become, usually. Because the more they own it, the more they care about it, the more passionate they are, the more they're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is one thing that it says. But it also says, um, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. I believe in your gifts and your talents. You've demonstrated to me that um you have what it takes to warrant me asking you this question. So I, you know, I rarely am going to go to my four-year-old and say, "Hey, we just put on this massive event, event for two thousand people," or "Hey, I just um have been uh, creating a year-long discipleship strategy." Um, hey, what do you think? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, obviously, she's not demonstrated the ability to speak into that, so I would never ask her that. So when you do ask somebody that, you are actually saying to them, "I believe in you." And that goes a long way at developing leaders. I think two other real benefits of the question, what do you think, is it shifts people from being doers to thinkers. Yeah. Um, so it kind of breaks people out of the um, uh, sort of the treadmill of just like task, task, accomplish, do stuff, get it done. To like take a breath and think. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And what do you think about what we're doing? So the question is so effective because it actually communicates a value to the person when you ask them a question and the value is simply this yeah you're expected to think yeah like you're not a mindless robot here just getting stuff done like you actually should be 
We should all be thinking and strengthening each other and asking hard questions and coming up with good solutions. So I love that. And then the other thing I, I love about it from a leadership development standpoint is that when you ask somebody, what do you think? And then you sit back and listen. Of course, that is, as you mentioned, the key. You actually have to care about what they think and you have to listen to what they have to say, uh, which some leaders won't want to do. Again, that's a little more time consuming than telling them what yeah. to think. We should actually say that, we should say this. If you ask this question, but no, everybody in the room knows you, you don't, don't care. care. Yeah. It is. It's worse than not asking it. Yeah. In my opinion. Right. Which is why I never ask. <laughs> I noticed that. What do you think about that? <laughs> you don't care. Just move on. <laughs> the other benefit of this question, from in terms of leadership development, is that when you're listening to them, uh, their answer reveals a lot about where they're at yeah. as a leader. And if you're trying to develop and strengthen your leaders, it starts with really assessing properly not just their leadership i mean everybody loves assessing personality and leadership styles and all that sort of stuff and i'm down with that there's nothing wrong with that of course but outside of actual conversations based along the lines of what are you thinking or why do you think we're doing this or just trying to understand their processes processing and their motivation it gives you a really good starting point a real good reference point as a leader to say okay so this is what they thought and it's so far off who we are as an organization, or it's so disconnected from what we're trying to accomplish, you realize I got to really meet them back here and bring yeah. them up to speed. Or maybe they're thinking exactly what you're thinking. Um, or they're and, thinking something that you go, oh my gosh, that's so much better right. than what I was thinking. So you're harvesting an idea that you can then claim as your own, which is really <laughs> your lifelong MO. Or you could promote them and lift them and put them into new leadership challenges, which you wouldn't have done had you not assessed that they have really progressed as a leader. And you wouldn't know if you're not asking the question. Right. What do you think? Okay. All right. Awesome. What's your next question? Your question was almost as good as my first one. Um, my second question is this. Uh, we should always be asking the leaders on our team, uh, who are you investing in? Uh, who are you pouring your life into? Who are you training? Who are you raising up? Basically, um, who are the leaders on your team that you're really giving your time and attention to? And this comes along with the idea of having a sort of culture of multiplication that uh, leaders of teams, leaders of ministries, uh, they need to have this mentality going in. I need to replace myself. You know, I need to raise somebody up who can do what I'm doing for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes it's because you don't know when your time is done, when you're going to move on or, or, or whatever, but also just to create sustainability and for scale. So when things grow, you know, in our, our context is mostly the church world, but you know, let's say one of the, one of the ministries is in, a, in most churches, there's an usher ministry, or they don't always call them usher. Sometimes they call them hosts um, or security or, or different names. But basically the primary role of this team is to serve people inside the church. Well, sometimes even serve them in the parking lot to find parking spaces, to get around the building, to get to their seats and to do different tasks throughout the service. So uh, if your church grows significantly and you have to go to multiple services um, or bigger teams, you need a leader who has been raising up another leader alongside him or her so that when you go to a multiple services, now you have a leader over this service, you have a leader over this service. So this is one practical example, but I think it's such an important question because it causes them to think beyond themselves to who am I handing this off to? Yeah. And uh, one of the things I love about that question is all, all the questions that you're asking of your leaders 
creates culture. So if the question you're always asking your leaders when you get together in a staff meeting is, what were your numbers on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever? Um, you know, if, if the, whatever types of questions you ask your leaders, you are creating a culture amongst your team and amongst your leadership staff. So when you ask this question, which is who are you pouring into, you are communicating that that really matters, you know. And so how how are we doing uh, ministry? How are we doing life? It's not just about um, the numbers and this stuff, but it's also about whose lives are we lifting up? Who are we developing and helping become more of who God wants them to be? And I think that is that he, that's huge for people you're leading because then they get the sense, oh, he, you're doing that with me and you want me and trust me to do that with others. And so I think as far as creating culture, it really matters. Um, and then the other thing I would say is one of the things that's been helpful for me is like, and this is kind of, I don't know if this is, seems weird, but I... I, from almost day one, when I step into a position, I, and this is kind of the default way of my thinking, but I start thinking, who's going to take my job? You know, who's, who's going to step into this when I'm done? And it's not that I'm checking out like, oh, I'm, I'm over this. I want to go do something else. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I'm, I'm having that thought in the back of my mind, right? So as I'm a youth pastor, I'm looking around, I'm assessing um, who who's going to be my number two, that person that I really give extra attention to. And maybe they don't end up turning out to be the person because you don't have total control over that. But just thinking that way, I think helps navigate your heart um, to really intentionally pour into people. So that's a helpful kind of side question that comes out of that. It's like, even internally, if I was to leave tomorrow, who could, who could take over? Um, and it takes time. So you can't wait till, wait till the needs there to start developing people. Yeah. It's too late at that point. And also is a heart reminder that this ministry does not belong to me. I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. Yeah, it's good. And you know, when it comes to certain, like, obviously when it comes to um, being a husband to our wives, being parent to our kids, like we're it. So that's probably the exception. But in every other area of life, we're stewarding things and uh, we're not owners of things. So, all right. So uh, real quick summary, can you figure it out? Which I think the listeners have already voted is the best question so far. What do you think? Which is coming third place so far. Who are you raising up? Which seems to be the second most popular question. And then my final fourth, which immediately jumped to first place. (laughs) Um, So this question is. Is that the best thing you could be doing? Mm. Is that the best thing you could be doing? And here's here's what I mean by that question. Is in life we've got a limited amount of time and resources. Um, we, we only have so much that we can do and so many energies that we can invest and so many things that we can do. So we have to make decisions about that. And what I often have found in working with leaders is... Oftentimes, people can easily just fall into reactionary doing things, right? Urgency. Urgency urgency or just um, comfortability, tradition. This is what we've always done. This Mm -hmm. is how it works. Mm -hmm. And so they just do things, and they rarely step back and ask the question, is that the best thing I can be doing? Right. So asking a leader that question forces them to step back from what they're doing. And oftentimes, I'll say, I don't. I don't care how it's been done. Let's first step back, take a 30,000 foot view and say, what's our mission, right? What's the end game that we want to get to? And now what's the best way to get there? And how do I spend my time in the most productive way? Which means what are the things I'm saying yes to? What are the things I'm saying no to? What are the things I'm doing and not doing to help me get there? 
But what often happens is people just get into a scheduled routine, like with pastors, and, and I think you even shared this with me a few weeks ago, how easy this happens where oh, we've got Wednesday night Bible study and we've got Sunday morning service and we've got Tuesday night prayer or whatever it is. And you just get into a routine of managing that and you never step back and go, is that the best thing I can be doing mm-hmm. though? Is this the best way to lead? And so asking that question forces your leaders to think that way and how they answer that will reveal to you a lot about their intentionality, their focus, um, whether or not they're really a strategic thinker or whether they're just a doer. And I think we have to help leaders move from being doers to really strategic thinkers so they can make the most of their time. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think for a way of asking it sort of as a self-assessment or self-evaluation question is this idea of like, um, what is the what are the things that only I should be doing, or what are the things that only I can be doing, and how much of my energy is going to those things, and how much of my energy. Is, so if you're leading a ministry, um, there are things that only you should and can do. Big picture, large scope, planning out the year, thinking through. That doesn't mean you have to do it in a in a bubble. Doesn't mean you can't have people around you, but you ultimately have to own certain things, right? Right. It's not saying that you're too good to do something that is beneath you or below you, but it's saying it's not the smartest, most strategic use of my time for the overall ministry that I'm serving and leading. So maybe there are some uh, sort of in-the-weeds type work that has to get done to prepare for a meeting or to prepare for a ministry. Um, other people can be doing that. What are the what are the things that only you can be doing? And have clarity on that. Get the big rocks in the beaker first, so to speak. Otherwise, you know, you, you it won't fit in later. You'll you'll fill yeah. yourself up doing things that aren't super crucial or or um, or unique to what your responsibility yeah. is. The other thing I think this question helps reveal is the differentiation between good things and the best things, mm. and that is the hardest. I think one of the hardest things in leadership to be able to decide because there's a lot of good things, and oftentimes there's a lot of stuff that we've been doing that bears fruit or we see other people doing it and it bears fruit and we go this is a really good thing so i'm going to do it but we never pause to say but is it the best thing you know and that that's hard because it actually takes sacrifice a lot of time it takes stop yeah. doing the good things it doesn't take clarity on it doesn't take vision clarity you don't know what yeah. the best thing to do is unless you don't have unless you have vision clarity and mission focus right. like this is why we exist this is the target on the wall if that doesn't exist then you can't even have this conversation absolutely um, and, and it's really- so this question helps helps that right it helps to make sure do they have vision right. clarity do they have mission are they mission driven and mission focused yeah yeah I think that's great um, let's do one real quick bonus question as we're finishing up here because I think this uh, we kind of had talked about this one but it uh, we didn't make it uh, onto either of our list for top two but it probably in some levels in some ways is the most important question yeah. and it's simply and this may not be the best way to ask it but this is the shortest way to ask it is how's your heart uh, how are you doing? How is your time with Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus? Uh, where are you at? What's what's heavy? What's kind of weighing heavy on your mind? Uh, what's dragging your heart down? And uh, taking the time to actually ask leaders, you know, how are you doing, yeah. and how are you feeling about what you're doing. Even even how's your devotional life? Yeah. Like for me, um, I I tend to find this trend is when I'm struggling and stressed, I immediately make the connection like, man, I've been slacking in my devotional life. But I think we feel like we feel uncomfortable maybe asking that because it's like, oh, is that too intimate? Is it too like confrontational? 
But there's something helpful in that, yeah. right? You're creating a culture saying, I care about you. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the most important thing for you. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, um, intrusive question if there's no existing relationship and evidence right. of care around it. Right. So if it's just dropped into a list of like bullet point questions that sort of a disconnected leader is just yeah. running his team through, then it's not going to feel caring. But if it's in the context of like, I, I care about you, love you, believe in what God has called you to do. I want to fight for you to become the leader that God's called you to become. And part of that is asking questions like, how are you doing? Like, are you finding time? Are you making time every day to meditate on God's scripture, right. to, um, to hear, to, to pause, to listen, to grow? What are you doing uh, to protect your heart in the midst of leadership? Because yeah. leadership is a dangerous place to have an unhealthy heart. Yeah. I think one of the things that's been helpful for me in asking those type of questions um, is um, honest, uh, being honest and um, upfront with what I'm going through in my life, really being authentic and sharing, you know? So, um, another question about the, how's your heart is questions like, how's your marriage? If they're married, you know, things like that. Those are super, like you said, can be intrusive and uncomfortable unless I'm sharing and I'm going, man, I've really been struggling my time with Jesus. And I've really been, this is what God's been saying to me or, or lately, man, God's really been showing me this stuff. And then I can say, how are you doing? You know, or, or for me, I try to be really authentic and share what I'm going through in my marriage to an extent. Obviously, there's certain things that are just for my wife and I. But, man, yeah, we, we really were wrestling through this. Or even sometimes, man, we got we got in a fight over this. And I realized I was being an idiot and blah, blah, blah. And I've been struggling with showing my wife how much I love her and care about her. Then you can say, man, how are you doing? How are things going for you guys? Because you've now opened yourself up. Right, you've been authentic, and so it kind of frees them up to do the same. Yeah, I think it's honesty, or it's, it's an honest approach because we all know that the biggest stress points in our lives revolve around things like our marriage, uh, our children, our finances, um, even to, uh, even um, our sexuality. Things that, like we we all would agree, yeah, like in a vacuum, these are the things that causes the most stress and affect us the most at the end of the day. But then we shy away from ever actually asking each other questions about those things. And it all has to be done again in the context of relationship and done in a way that is respectful and, and, um, uh, caring, but we need to be willing to ask some, what would be considered to be intrusive questions of the leaders because we love and care for our leaders. Yeah. All right. So to recap, uh, my two questions or that last question, because we did the first three, you know what, let's recap them all. Let's recap them all. Dave, give us a little recap. Okay. Can you figure it out? What do you think? Who are you investing into? Is that the best use of your time? Is that the thing you should be doing? And how's your heart? Yeah. So those are five questions that have been really helpful for us. And we hope they're helpful for you. Hey, we want to end uh, end our time today with our portion called David's Eats. Mm. And uh, what I want to... I got a little special one. Instead of asking Dave what's the best thing he's eaten... I want to say what I want to ask David this. What is what is your guilty pleasure snack? 
I mean, that thing that you go to, maybe it's crazy. Maybe it doesn't even sound that appealing, but it's like maybe it's late at night, yep. all, everyone else in bed, and that, this is kind of your yep. go-to thing. So I'm a salty over sweet snacker. I know okay. you're the opposite. You're a sinner. Yeah, you yeah. are a sinner. Yeah. yeah. My wife is uh, straight to the sweets, and I'm straight to the salty. So uh, I love things like cheese and pepperoni. I mean, I love a good charcuterie, you know, board, like <laughs> just like. So it's, so it's like midnight. Everyone's in yeah. bed, and you've got a charcuterie board. Like out. a board of hot soprasada and aged provolone <laughs> and some green olive stuff with garlic. What? But, uh, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little more like down to earth with this answer. Okay. Um, jalapeno kettle chips are my jam. Oh, I mean, yeah. I love the kettle chip because it's crunchier. Um, and jalapeno kettle chips, I've got enough spice to make you, you know, you feel it, but it's not, uh, of course, inedible. And um, not too long ago, I sort of accidentally dipped a jalapeno kettle chip into some ricotta. And I think I've discovered a miracle. Which is cheese, by the way. If yeah, ricotta is cheese. Or if you're a New York Italian, ricotta, um, yeah. ricotta, or whatever they say. Um, yeah, dipping a jalapeno chip into some fresh ricotta cheese oh. i'm telling you right now if you like salty savory snacks you need to go to your closest grocery store today get a bag of jalapeno kettle chips get a little little container of some ricotta cheese go home and just wait wait till you're by yourself yeah wait till you're it's by better yourself. done alone yeah because it's gonna get ugly it's gonna get ugly after you're, the f- you're gonna be embarrassed yeah. the first bite will be respectable and then it's just going to turn into like a nature show. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're going to wake up three days later covered in ricotta bits and uh, and uh, chip chip crunchies. But it'll be well worth it. Chip crunchies. Hey, everybody. This is the Multiply Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.